He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And the risen and reigning Lord Jesus accompanies his church on the way. There's a sign along I-75 downstate in Oakland County area near where I grew up. And you've probably seen it if you've ever driven on that road. It's a great big picture of Jesus, a painting, of course, a familiar rendition of the Lord. It's maybe 30 or 40 feet large. It belongs to, I think, some Baptist church down there. And, you know, underneath the painting, there's a sentence, a, a question, and it says this, are you on the right road? It's kind of brilliant, actually. It catches my attention every time I drive past it. And it came to my mind, so I was thinking about the theme for this week's sermon. You know, we're going through this series that I've entitled Easter in Exile, and we're looking at all of the different ways of what it means for us to be the church. In this time when we're not able to gather together, when we are the scattered people of God, what does it mean to be the church when we're not able to gather at church? And so we're looking at all these different circumstances, situations, places where we are still the people of God, where we are still the body of Christ. Last week we saw how we're the church amid uncertainty. And in future weeks, we're going to see how we're the church at table. We're the church in the marketplace. And as for today, see how the church is the church on the way. And we're going to be walking through, pardon the pun, this familiar story from the Gospel of Luke. And I want to draw out a couple of observations from this story as we look at what does it mean for us to be the church on the way. So as we turn to the story, they find a couple of disciples who evidently have lost their way. And just to remember the setting of it, this is Easter evening. This is the evening of the day when Jesus rose from the dead. But they don't yet know that, or in any event, they don't yet believe that. Instead, they are walking along crestfallen. They are feeling, even though they're moving, like they are totally stuck. Still, they are mourning in lonely exile. They had hoped that this Jesus character, that he would be the one who would redeem Israel, that he would be the one to deliver them out of their spiritual exile. But alas, he was killed. It wasn't meant to be. Oh yeah, some crazy women have told them that they went down to the tomb and he wasn't there, but everybody knows folks don't rise from the dead. And so we find a couple of disciples who have lost their way. But it's just then that they find themselves joined by this stranger this visitor who comes up alongside them and seems like he is totally out of the loop. He says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they say, what are we talking about? What, have you been under a rock for the last three days? And he says, well, as a matter of fact, no. He could have. But he says, well, what are you, what are you talking about? They say, what, are you the, the only visitor? Interestingly, the word literally means, are you the only sojourner here in Jerusalem? Who doesn't know the events that have happened for the last three days? All the things that have been going on here, all the things that have happened. We had thought that we had found the Messiah, perhaps the one who was going to redeem us and save us. But alas, we were wrong and there is no hope. But then Jesus, still incognito to these two disciples, goes and kind of peppers them a little bit. Engages in a little bit of uh, on-the-go catechesis, if you will. Says, well, tell me more. What are these things? What were you hoping for? And finally, leading them to this place where he says, didn't you not know, did you not know that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and in this way to enter into his glory? And then having concluded his interrogation of them, Jesus proceeds to give what I think we could all agree must have been the most scintillating Bible study of all time. 
As he unpacks for them, Luke tells us, starting with the law and the prophets, all of the scriptures, interpreting to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What Jesus does, in effect, still, they don't know who he is, but what he does is he recasts the whole narrative of the Bible. They had this understanding and this belief that, well, when the Messiah comes, it's just going to be striding from victory unto victory as he's going to vanquish our foes and lead us forth back into the kingdom of Israel. No, Jesus says, this victory is going to come through suffering. The Messiah is going to, to uh, defeat your foes, not through some military battle, by himself being killed. It completely reframes the whole story for them. But having done so and having drawn their attention to what was always there in plain sight in the Old Testament scriptures, what we think of as the Old Testament scriptures, Jesus helps these disciples who had lost their way suddenly to get back on the way, on the way of God's truth. Now pause there for a second as I want to draw out the first observation about what it means for us to be the church on the way. We see it, spiritually speaking, in the way that Jesus was conversing with the disciples and, and showing them how their faith is woven into the fabric of everyday life. For us to be the church on the way, it means that our faith is part and parcel of our everyday life. As we go about our lives in our respective vocations, now serving in, in the home, caring for our family, talking to neighbors, in all of those ways that we go about our life each and every day, that's still what it means for us to be the church. Not just gathered together, but also going about our day-to-day -day lives. And in a sense, Jesus embodies what the scripture had counseled from time eternal. For example, in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, a very famous passage, it's called the Shema, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it goes on to say that you should tell these words to your children. Teach them to the kids while they are sitting down, when they're rising. And then it says, teach it to them on the road, on the way. In the course of your day-to-day -day life, make sure that you are still talking about God's truth. In other words, it's not just something to, to be done on your weekly Shabbat in the time of Sabbath, but throughout your life, through, as you go about your day, you are to speak of and to, to weave this faith into your everyday life. Jesus himself counsels the apostles in this regard. In what we call the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, when he says to them, go and make disciples of all nations. It's a common place for preachers to point out that that first word, go, is better translated as, while you are going, make disciples. The idea is that as you're going along life's way, you are going to be sharing the good news of what Jesus has done. You're going to be having these conversations with your fellow disciples and with those who don't know the Lord. It's not going to be just a one day a week kind of thing, much less a one hour a week sort of thing but it's going to be an every day. It's not going to be just a program that you go to or an event that you attend, but it's going to be part of your day-to-day -day life. While you are going, make disciples, encourage and build up other Christians. Talk to those who don't yet know the Lord and tell them about your Savior. It's not just a one-day-a-week thing, but it's on the way each and every day. I think right now that this is a moment when we as, as God's people are able to recover this. It's natural. It's by nature what it means to be a disciple. See, sometimes we get the sense that to be a disciple, well, discipleship is a matter of the head. That it's just about learning and studying and so forth and 
guys know me. I'm certainly not against learning and studying, and that's part of it, to be sure. But being a disciple, and the nature of discipleship, it's less a matter of simply book learning, and it's more like, it's more like an apprenticeship, right? It's not like becoming a math scholar. It's more like becoming a, a carpenter. And maybe that's an, a, a especially fitting analogy when we think of our Lord. It's where we are learning through being with other Christians, whether it be at the knee of our parents, or our grandparents when we were children, whether it be in the company of the baptized throughout our life. It's one of the reasons why right now it's such a painful moment because we're not able to gather together. Even so, we know that as Christians, we grow in our faith, learn what it means to be a disciple, not just from books and study, although that's important and it's always going to be part of it, but also through the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren, that as we go along life's way among the company of the baptized, we are learning what it means to live as God's people, a faith that is not only taught, but caught, elbow knowledge, so to speak, as we go along our way as the body of Christ. Okay, so let's go back to the story here, where we find a very interesting detail that comes out. So it says in verse 28 of the gospel, so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and Jesus acted as if he were going farther. Maybe you thought, I noticed that before and thought, that's kind of strange. Jesus acted as if, he were, as if he were going farther. Now, we know that Jesus would never lie. George Washington says, I could not tell a lie. How much more our Lord Jesus? And yet here he is pretending that he is going to go further, playing dumb, as it were. Why in the world would he do that? Well, you might look at that and say, well, maybe Jesus is just playing dumb to, because he wants to do some gotcha, right? And he's going to convict these guys of how they're sinners and how they have fallen short. They don't get it yet. All right, I understand that perspective, but I don't think that's what's going on here. No, Jesus is acting as if he's going farther because of what happens next. It says that then they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. Jesus acts as if he's going farther because he wants to draw them deeper. See, he wants them to invite that deeper communion and friendship with him, that relationship with him. He wants to lead them into a fuller understanding of God's truth, but he's not going to force it upon them. Instead, he's going to do a, a Jesus juke in order to draw them deeper. He recognizes that they are not yet fully realized in their identity as disciples, as no one is in this life. He re recognizes that they still have these areas of darkness in their own minds and hearts. He wants to lead them to a fuller realization and recognition of what he's up to so that he can move them from that place where they have slow hearts to where they can have burning hearts, to a, from a place of, of having closed eyes to having clear eyes. The Lord is working this transformation in them because he knows that they are on the way. And here's the second observation for us is the church on the way like those disciples on the way to Emmaus, we also are unfinished, incomplete, in process, works in progress, individually and also together as the body of Christ. We have not yet fully arrived to our destination, but still we have hearts that are sometimes a little bit slow. Still we have eyes that are a little bit foggy when it comes to us seeing God's truth. The Lord knows that. And he bears with us in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of our, our time when we are still learning what does it mean to be a disciple. 
And let me be plain about this. I'm not just talking about this season in exile. This is our whole life long. The Lord has begun this good work in us and he continues to do it in us throughout our lives as the church. We are a people who are on the way. We're an unfinished product that he is still working in us and transforming us from the inside out, see? And in this time when we are alone together, perhaps this is a moment when he is drawing us deeper as he was drawing those disciples on the way to Emmaus deeper. He's drawing us deeper into lives of of repentant faith drawing us deeper in our prayer lives and our reliance on him, drawing us deeper and destroying some of the idols in our lives, the things that we had put maybe an unholy amount of of security and trust and confidence in, drawing us deeper to be with him in this time when we have to be alone together, that we would see that he abides with us still on the way, that we are at home together with Christ because he is the Lord who meets us on the way and continues to be at work in us, forming us and conforming us more and more to his likeness. On the wall of my study, I have a quote, one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther, in which he said this, We are not yet what we shall be, but we're growing toward it. The process is not yet finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. See, we have not yet arrived at our destination. We are pilgrims here, making our way toward the kingdom of God, toward the new creation, throughout this whole life long. As the church, as the body of Christ, we are resident aliens. And yet, all along the way, the Lord continues to meet us on life's way and to continue that good work in us, forming us more and more to his likeness. And even in the near term, should our Lord tarry in his return, And that day in, Lord willing, the not-too-distant future, when we're able to gather together again as the church. I hope that on that day, when we're able to meet around this table and receive the body and blood of our Lord, to break bread together, that we will say one to another, were not our hearts burning when the Lord was meeting us on the way? We are unfinished products. We are not yet arrived at our destination, but still the Lord who began a good work in us is bringing it to completion until that day when we reach our destination. God grant us endurance and faithfulness in this time as we recognize the church is the church on the way. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.